0: From the Theology of the Body Institute, this is the Discerning Marriage Podcast, hosted by Elizabeth Busby. Hello,
1: hello. Welcome back to the Discerning Marriage Podcast. I am so excited to have you back. I missed you guys on the break. So thank you for joining us for this first episode of Season 2. Today, we are going to be talking about the feminine genius. I have brought in Liv Harrison, who joined us for a number of episodes back um, in season one. And I have brought her in as kind of our discerning marriage resident expert, if you will, on the feminine genius. She um, has created an entire women's conference on this topic. Um, and so sh- she has a lot to say about it. And that's why I brought her in today. So um I'm really excited to talk to you about the Feminine genus, both men and women. This is such an important topic for people discerning marriage, regardless of if you're a man or a woman. So I'm really excited to kick off season two with this topic today. It's near and dear to my heart, and I think it's something that's really critical For all of you who are trying to figure out how you can live your marriage vocation well um, right now before you're even in it, right? What can I do to prepare myself to be married? Um, And how can I figure out if this is what God's calling me to do? And I think that the feminine genius, whether you're a man or a woman, understanding the feminine genius is something that's going to be really helpful for you. So I wanted to bring Liv in to help dive into this concept, to give you guys something to chew on that I think would be really helpful for you. So we're going to go ahead and jump on in.
0: Hello hello and I love that you keep calling me an expert. Like I I'll take it. I'll absolutely take. It. You can call me a supermodel. I'll take that. I'll take anything you want to label me. Yes. So, I am by no means an expert, but I do I do have um a lot of a lot of uh work in the feminine genius. So, if if that's what we're going on, then yes. I am a genius at the feminine genius. But um yeah. Perfect. So, I'm excited to be here and to be talking about something that that really has kind of come into my life in a very interesting way. I
1: love it. Okay. So some of us might not know, not some of us, some people who are listening might not know what the feminine genius is. So can you go ahead and give us just an overview of what it is? So we're all on the same page at um, my master's in theology. One of my professors used to always say, define your terms. The first thing you're doing when we're talking about theology is define your terms. So let's get on the same page about what the feminine genius is. And then I want to hear a little bit about how you came to discover it. In whatever order you want. You take that and run with
0: it. Go. Okay. Well, I'll start with uh, <laughs> perfect Thanks. So here's, what's funny. I came kicking and screaming towards the feminine genius for a lot of reasons. Number one, I never heard of it. I didn't know what the heck it was. Number two, I don't know. That was like 14 things. I just listened. Number two, <laughs> I never considered myself feminine. So I really struggled mm-hmm. with that whole concept when I started hearing it. Uh, number three, when I started getting asked to speak and to do things for the feminine genius, I was like, uh, that's a hard no. Like I, I don't get it. I don't like it. This is the worst. Here's what's funny, Elizabeth. God is I love. Okay, I love God, and I really love. Just in case you didn't know, <laughs> <so but> I, <laughs> I really love that he's like. Oh, okay. Um, he's like the big brother you never wanted sometimes because he's like, oh, you don't like this. Oh, this is something that makes you not comfortable, and it's something I am asking you to do. Fantastic. I'm gonna give you a swirly in a toilet like your big brother would do, and you're like you're the worst God. What are you doing? Like, I, I'm not interested in this. I don't want to learn this. I don't want to dive into it. I am not interested. Leave me alone. And God's like, oh really? Now I'm giving you a wedgie. Like he comes back and he's like, everyone who's listening is like, that's not at all. God. Um, I mean that he won't leave you alone. He like, yeah, he like, he pursues you in a way that you cannot deny. He is saying, nope, this is what I want you to do. Nope. This is where you're going. Just either go with it or, you know what I mean? Like, I'm not going to leave you alone. And I love that. I love what he puts mm-hmm. something on our heart. And when he chases us and he pursues us and he's like, I am doing this for a reason. So if you could just calm down and let me show you why it's going to be phenomenal. And that's what he did with me with the feminine genius. Does that make sense? He mm-hmm. just relentlessly Like, chased me with it. And Mm -hmm. it started at a time in my life when I felt the least feminine I've ever felt in my life. I was a good. 375 pounds at least. I mean, it wasn't my heaviest weight. I know I've shared before on other platforms. I, at one time, was over 458 pounds. So, this is like 375. So, I basically was like, I was feeling good about myself, let's be honest. And, um, but I, I didn't feel feminine. You don't feel feminine at 375. And I really fought with what it meant to be a girl, even though I was married and I had had children. I still didn't feel like a lady, like and it didn't feel like a girl. Like I knew that I could walk in a room and no man's head was going to turn. Like I knew my husband was safe. Like I was like, yep, not a problem. So I wrapped up my brain into that's what feminine genius means. That's what that term means. I didn't know where it came from. I didn't know anything about it. Well, I got asked to speak on femininity but that's a hard word to say. feminine hard enemy. word to say. <laughs> it is. It's a hard word. It's like the so many eyes. Anonyme. It is. It's just like finding Nemo. Anonyme. <laughs> anonyme. I don't know what I'm saying. Um, and I was like, oh, do you want me to go find someone who can talk on being feminine? I could do that for you. And they're like, no, we're asking you to give a feminine talk. And I was like, oh, you mean like from people that I've met that are feminine? And they're like, nope we want you to give a talk on femininity. And I was like, to a bunch of high school girls. And I was like, oh, dear God in heaven. So from that, I then found a letter written by Pope John Paul II in uh, the summer of 95. Oh, that sounds like like a cool album, summer summer of 95. And it was called um, A Letter to Women. And (laughs) he coined the phrase, the feminine genius. He made that up. I mean, I don't know if someone else on the planet hadn't said that before, but you know what? We're all giving credit. He's a saint. He gets the cred. That's what I'm doing. So Pope John Paul II, are you okay with that? Yeah. Okay, great. Perfect. Great. So he coined the phrase feminine genius in that letter. And in that letter was the first time I ever read what it meant to be quote unquote, a girl, quote unquote, a woman, quote unquote, feminine. From like the actual source, like like the church, like God, like a saint, like, you know what I mean? Like yeah. from this space of not secular, not from the Kardashians, not from Sports Illustrated, not from, you know, the my feminine. mom was homecoming queen and I wasn't, not from <laughs> feminists, not from whatever I had made up in my head about what it meant to be feminine and why. And I just thought it was a cruel joke that I was trapped in a female body but didn't feel female. Does that make sense? So that was my journey with where I got to this information. And then it's just unraveled in a good way from there.
1: I love that. So this is something coined by Pope John Paul II. What, What is significant about him as a man, as a Pope, as a priest? What's significant about his involvement in this idea of the feminine genius.
0: I think what's so beautiful is that a lot of times, um, especially now we're living in 2020. I don't know when anybody's listening to this and there's a lot of, you know, terms that are being thrown around like mansplaining and, you know, like the new feminist and like new wave feminist and, and, there's a lot of, uh, I don't know, there's a lot of hatred towards uh, men and not getting the concept of where women fit into the narrative. And there's a lot of fairness in that. Let's be honest. For a long time, men were the enemy. Like, we couldn't vote. Like, they would sell us. Like, we had dowries. Like, I don't know. Read a Jane Austen book. I don't read. But I mean, like, let's be real. There was a lot of stuff out there that were like, yes, men are the worst. They hate women. They only want us to make babies. Like all this information. So, and then, and then people would apply that to the Catholic church. Well, only men can be priests. Well, only Jesus hung out with men. Well, Jesus was a man. Well, whatever. So there's this whole like culture that men are the enemy men don't understand women and we hear that all the time right we have these sitcoms where the dad is always stupid the husband's always dumb men don't get women they're complete morons women are so confusing when we're so emotional we don't have logic you know like there's all this stuff again self-control or whatever there might be some truth but anyway but Um, so there's a lot of tapes, like how as a person you have tapes, you know, like if whatever you were told as a child that you're trying to overcome as an adult, and even though you know those aren't truths, okay, you still have to overcome them. We have that as a society. So we have society, societal, is that a word, tapes? Mm -hmm. Okay, yay, look at that. I don't have a master's. A societal, um, tape about men and women and about what men think of women. Well, men only want women for their bodies. Men only want one thing. All right, if nobody knows what that is, that's sex. All right, men only want, you know, (laughs) women have to be hot. Women have to be beautiful. Women, when you get over the age of 40, you might as well die. Like, you know, men get to grow up and get gray hair and look hot and be the Dos guy. And you get to be like, you know, Professor McGonagall in a Harry Potter movie. So this is what we know. This is what we hear in the secular world what our worth is. And so it's wrapped into that. So the fact that a man in the church, okay, which, like I said, a lot of people have made the enemy, came on the scene and said, hold up, let me explain to you what the worth of a woman actually is, in case mm. anybody wants to know. And not only that, but this is going to be from the source of like, oh, I don't know, the creator of the universe, not the NBC president or the executive at Netflix. This is actual what this whole thing was started for this whole man woman thing and what you bring to the table and what he brings to the table. Let's focus on you ladies. Let's talk about what you are on this planet, why you are on this planet what you bring, how that shows up, and where your worth lies, and he breaks it into sections. It's not just about married women. It's not just about women who have had babies. It's not just about women who like sex or don't like sex. Like, he really went there. So I think it's profound. And in the 90s, which, let's think about that, because we had the 80s come about where all of a sudden women were like, do, 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 I'm Melanie Griffith. Do, 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 I'm Working Girl. That was an old, like, anybody who's <laughs> over the age of 40 is going to get that. Anyone younger? Not a clue. But there's all these films about women who are like, i wear stilettos and I'm in a boardroom now because I'm a woman and I can work. And then I put on my sneakers and I walk in New York city and I'm a lady. Like We had this whole 80s thing where women came into their own, right? Because we had the pill come on the scene in the 60s. So now women have controlled their sexuality in a way that they hadn't before. They can have sex like a man. So then we have the 80s. Now they can get jobs. Now they can work like a man. So I think it's really interesting that the Pope was like, interesting, 1995, I'm going to write a letter. And then he really went into ladies. Let me talk to you about what your worth is and why. And he addresses working women. He addresses the normal everyday woman. Like it is beautiful. And he really coming from a man, I think it, it oh God, it's just, see, I'm losing my, I can't even talk because it's, it is that profound. Mm-hmm. It means it is that big of a deal. Um, what he did and it, a complete and absolute gift to women and to men. So that's my opinion on that. I love that.
1: So kind of following this man trail, if, um, if a man were to come to you and say they were discerning marriage, they wanted to figure out if they're called to marriage, how could this idea of the feminine genius be relevant to him? Like what, what, what benefit would a man have who's discerning marriage? What benefit would it be to him to learn more about the feminine genius, to understand this concept?
0: Sure. Well, I think, like what I was saying, I think to re educate all of us because we do live on the planet in modern times. We do have access to television, radio. We have social media access. We have um, so many sources, right? So many secular sources. Half the time, we don't know if they're real or not, right? You're having to look that up and say, like, did I just read something (laughs) that like somebody made up, or is this like a legit? Is that even a university? I don't even know. So, you know, there's so many things that you're having to to sift through and you're just reading and reading and reading, or you're, you're bombarded and movies, you know, you've grown up your whole life, whether you watch pornography or not, whether you, what you've been exposed to, you have something that is in your brain, in your head about what a woman is, whether you are one or whether you're a man, period. All of us do. She, should either be in the kitchen pregnant. She should be, you know, a sex pot wearing nothing or, I don't know, uh, she should be, you know, working, she should be a nun. You have some sort of concept in your head about what a woman is or her different seasons of life and what she brings to the table. What this does is that he has said, okay, listen, let's really dive into it and let me help you see what she really is and what she really is worth and how you should view her. Now, does that mean all of a sudden you're gonna stop looking at your hot wife and be like, oh, now I just see her for like her spiritual worth? Of course not. And sex was invented by God. Like, you're gonna, you should wanna have sex with your wife. No one's saying that. She should be the hottest thing you know, okay? There's nothing wrong with that. Like, your bodies were made that way. But can you change the way that you maybe view? Other women in your life or the whole concept of women. Like I still know incredible husbands who are chauvinists. I gotta be honest. Mm. And being a Catholic speaker and doing what I do, I'm very much in a male like world, like in a man's world, being an MC, doing the radio. There's a lot of men involved in that. I come up, I tell people all the time I wasn't a feminist until I started working for the Catholic Church. (laughs) You know? (laughs) So just because you're a good guy or a good husband or a good father doesn't mean that you still don't have a skewed or tainted concept about women, about sex, about relationships, about a lot of things. And I'm not saying let's all sit around and blame each other. I'm saying we are all products of our environment. Okay. And so let's start putting in some really good, healthy things that we know can maybe change the narrative in our heads, in the way that we approach the women in our lives as a woman or as a man. I think it's helpful for both.
1: I love that. Would you say anything different to women discerning marriage?
0: About what? About their feminine feminine genius? genius. Yeah. About what what, the feminine genius would do for them to help them discern well. The flip (laughs) yes. Are you flipping kidding me right now? (laughs) Holy sh- yeah. So many four-letter words that I want to say yes. (laughs) Because a woman really puts her worth in what a man thinks of her. Let's be honest. She walks in a room, and you want to be captivating. That is a real thing. You want to be desired. You want to be chased. You want to be um, not chased, as in waiting till marriage. I was—I just, I know. I was Could like, be, I think she means. But like I mean chased, person. like chase, like like the fox and like the whatever fox <laughs> chases. I don't know. So, <laughs> so you there's a reason. There's a reason why men are the hunter, and and women are. You know, there's there's a reason why in sex men are the giver and women are the receiver. Like these are all really basic concepts that actually have reason. There's a reason why when you make out with someone's face, it starts putting off the alarms everywhere else. Like there is a reason that things happen. And we like to just act like we just don't know. We're like, oh, that's so weird. I mean, he made out with me for an hour and a half and I got tingly. Yeah, no crap. Like what is wrong with people? Like you have got to check in to what your body does and what you, um, emotionally do what you intellectually do what you spiritually do for women we are emotional right you connect with us mentally you um you connect with us in in different ways and and we're gonna follow in a very in a very specific pattern men are more physical right like they like they can see a girl and they're like well I'm gonna go like you know it's like the whole oven microwave situation So as a woman, you've got to know, just like you need to know your cycle and you need to know when you're ovulating because you need to know when you're looking hot and when all of a sudden every man on the planet smells amazing to you, like you need to be checked in to why you react the way you do to men why you seek relationships that you seek, why maybe you have made the same mistakes over and over and over again with men, with other women, with whatever. And so I think that you need to invest in discovering who you are in the way that God designed you to be. What is your feminine genius? What does that mean? So that then you can go out there and be a good candidate and be someone who is in a healthy state so that you are, quote unquote, able to receive and to know when that does come around and to be a good partner and to then go forward with that. That would be my advice to women. You need to know your stuff is what I want to say. Oh, I agree. So I wanted to come <laughs> talk about it
1: because you present it in such, a, such an appealing way, such a convicting way. I love it. So if someone listening wanted to dive deeper into this topic, wanted to know
0: more about the feminine genius and how it can affect them what do you suggest they do? I would absolutely 100% go to the source. I would read Pope John Paul II. Uh, it's called A Letter to Women. You can Google it. What is so fantastic about him is that he is not Thomas Aquinas. He is not a professor at this really difficult university. And this is like year seven of theology or anything like that. He is so relatable he is so um tangible, he is very readable I don't know if, if that's a word, so it's fantastic to just take that that letter, which a is not long. praise baby Jesus, and I love that he knew that you've got to know your audience, and I think he knew listen, here's my audience. This is the nineties. No one's going to sit around and read, you know, 14 novels on feminine genius. I'm going to do it in a couple of pages. So it's very easy to read. Um, and then the information is very easy to grasp a concept of. So it's not like you're going to be sitting there and having to read it 700 times in order to decode it. You're going to want to read it more than once because it's going to be like a film or a really good book that you're like, Oh my gosh, I never noticed you know, this piece, oh my gosh, I never noticed this piece. And as you continue in your life, as your seasons change, as your experiences change, as you change, right? Cause we're organic, we evolve, right? That's what's so beautiful about the human experience. It's always changing. It's always evolving. Um, you're going to want to continue to revisit and you're going to want to write on it. You're going to want to highlight it. You're going to want to journal with it. You're going to want to, whatever it is that you do meditate, I don't care do it. And then I would absolutely start looking for women that, um, in real life and women in the mystical body of Christ, you know, that you can connect with. So saints that don't go out there and find a saint that you cannot connect with. I do not want people to be like, oh, I should go find the saint that swallowed nails. And then, you know, because she loved Jesus so much and then she spit them out and made a board. And like, so she's so holy and amazing. And what I can't relate to her. I don't know what that means. Like, don't swallow nails. You know what? There, there is no saint. I just made her up. But you know what I mean? Like sometimes <laughs> we find these obscure saints and then we feel really bad about ourselves. Mm-hmm. This is not a time to start hating ourselves. We do that enough. We loathe really well. So what we want to do is we want to find people that we can connect with, that we can hear their story and say, okay. I can relate to that. Okay, that was a regular person. And that's what we get with the saints is that we can connect with them in their everyday and how they were on this planet. And then we see their transformation into their holiness. And that's who you want to connect with. So don't pick obscure saints that, like I said, you're just like, well, that's never going to be me. I can't do that. You know, like you need to pick people that you can really like, oh, like that's why St. Therese of Lisieux is such a go-to. It's not that you want to be cliche, it's just she was so normal. Like she was so mm-hmm. everyday. You can connect with her. You know, you can connect with uh, Blessed Pierre Giorgio Frassati. He is so relatable. So you've got to find these saints that you connect to. And then you need to find women in your life who aren't afraid to be real let's be honest. Like, do not show me your Pinterest boards. Do not show me your children that glow with the sun. Like, be (laughs) honest with me. Like, do not show me you and your perfect boyfriend and how you have candlelit dinners every night. Like, that's great. But like, I need you to get in there, like get in there and be real with me. And like, we need to connect. And what did this look like? So if it's not your mom, if it's not your sister, if it's not someone like that, look to the other women in your life and really see how they've come into their womanhood. And what is it that you admire about them? What is it that they're doing in their femininity that you say that you take pause and notice? I love it. So relating
1: to this concept of the feminine genius, what is one practical tip that you would give someone who is discerning marriage right now? Like they they end this podcast or they turn it off or whatever you do when you're done listening. And then you go out and you want to do something practical that advances your discernment of marriage that you know continues you on the path. Um, what's what's one thing you would tell them to do related to the feminine genius?
0: Related to the feminine genius specifically is I would probably more than anything find a set of questions that really focus on being a woman and what that means to be a married woman. I would, if I can't find the questions, I would probably make a pro con list of what I think, not a pro con list, but like a a two-sided list of what I think being a married woman looks like. If you're discerning marriage, Mm. you need to write down what that is like, define it yourself. So what is a good married woman? what does she look like? Your married woman, your ideal married woman. And I would write down a list of those traits. And I would then, you know, write down what are bad traits to a a married woman? Like what, when you, you know, when you think about like someone who's not doing such a great job, what are those traits? What does that look like? And so you need to find out yourself as a woman what it is that you think that looks like, because otherwise you're chasing a dream that you don't even know that you're chasing. You don't, you don't Mm. even know what it is that you're looking for. So what if you think, oh yeah, to be a good married woman, you have to make homemade bread from scratch, from wheat that you grew in your backyard and you milled in your house and you do that 14 (laughs) times a day. Otherwise you suck. Like, I mean, if that is what you think, you better write that down, you know, because then you're going to be really disappointing yourself when you figure out real fast that you're not going to be making bread from wheat that you grow in your backyard 14 times a day. You know what I mean? So you've got to bring a little bit of reality, but first of all, you've got to know what the heck that is yourself. So that is where I would start. I would start with what is a good married woman to you and find mm-hmm. out so you can connect to that femininity piece I would start I I like to go basic Elizabeth I like to start at the basics without being basic if yeah, that makes sense I love that so it's like figure out
1: what your own expectations are for yourself yep right and how realistic That's exactly those right. how realistic those expectations are maybe maybe it's an expectation like the bread thing like you didn't know you had it and exactly. you're looking at it written down and you're like I don't you know I feel like I'm not ready for marriage because I can't do this and then you write it down and you're like well that's a silly thing anyway. I don't know yeah, if do, do that. that. Maybe Who I'm more ready that? for
0: Yeah, maybe I'm more Baird. ready for marriage than Mrs. I thought. Mrs. beard can do that.
1: Yeah. And <laughs> has a factory behind her helping her out. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, so I love that. I love that um idea of making sure that you know what your own expectations are. Always. And and I think this is applies, you know, really well for men and women too. Like men, what is your what's your expectation of a woman, of a wife, of a mother? Um and how realistic is that? And then women, what what is my own understanding of what that would have to look like. And, you know, you weed out the bad things and then the good
0: things you try and figure out, okay, how can I grow? I love that. Yeah. Well, done. No, exactly. Uh, <laughs> it's as if I've been doing this. <laughs> now, listen, you've got to start with expectations because otherwise you'll just be disappointed. And yes. you won't know why you're disappointed. And you won't know why you have these horrible things about yourself and that you loathe in these new tapes about how awful you are. Because you never realized to begin with what the heck you were trying to achieve. Because you know yes. you never had a conversation with yourself. And especially as women, we go to men all the time, like, oh, well, what do you want? What do you want me to be? Mm-hmm. Like, what kind of wife is it? Da-da-da-da-da no, check yourself. What is it that you think you're supposed to be? Because that's, you're going to be like disappointing as you, and then put on top of him, all these expectations that you think he has, you're going to be disappointing yourself because you think, I mean, it just, it's, it's just an endless cycle and the enemy loves it. Mm. He wants you disappointed. He wants you to never get the golden ring. He wants you to miss it all the time and never know why. So you know Mm. what? him start from the beginning and find out what it is like and i mean that like i mean like I really it. i know that that's like whatever but i mean like seriously yeah. find out what your expectations are because otherwise you're just going to be chasing your tail and you and you'll be exhausted and really disappointed so that is my biggest piece of advice um in that love it. in that sector
1: i love it well oh, thank you so much liv for coming Thanks. on this as my fine. as my resident expert y'all we will put a link to the the letter to women in yes. our show notes. So you'll Perfect. be able to find it there. We will have it on our Instagram as well. If you prefer that, um, medium, you can find it yeah. there. We'll link it. And there you too. can find
0: me at the Harrison. Me. Yeah. At, at my live website, the and yeah. at my handle on Instagram, the live Harrison on Facebook, I'm live Harrison. And I have a conference actually that takes into the feminine genius. It's called, uh, it's called genius. And, uh, yeah, it has a website. It. It's so good. <laughs> genius women's conference. So there you go. That's where we're at. So come check me out. Talk to me if you need anything. I'm here for you. But thank (laughs) you, Elizabeth. I appreciate this opportunity to talk about it. I love you, friend. Love you too. Thanks so much, Liv. Bye.
1: I hope y'all enjoyed that chat with Liv Harrison. Um, the feminine genius, like I said, is something so precious to to me and my own femininity. And um, I know my husband has really gotten a lot out of studying JP2's teaching as he seeks to love my feminine genius well um, and compliment it well in his masculinity. So I, I hope it's been beneficial to you. And uh, thank you so, so, so much for joining us. And until next time, stay close to the heart of Jesus and be not afraid.
0: The Discerning Marriage podcast is brought to you by the Theology of the Body Institute. For more information about discerning marriage, visit discerningmarriage.com. To learn more about the theology of the body, visit tobinstitute.org.